Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Uh, let me ask this question. Actually, let me do this. People keep asking this. So let me tell you what happened Black Friday and why I'll never do it again. Um, I went out looking for, changed my phone. I just want, it was time to upgrade family tradition. We go out, typically we go out Black Friday in the afternoon, and there's like five or six, I don't remember how many of us in the family that are on the same plan, and we go out, and we'll just all upgrade our phones together. Usually you can get good deals, like $250 gift cards and all that stuff if you're upgrading your phone. And um, I think last time we did it, it took us like an hour, two hours, maybe three hours tops in line. Two hours in line and an hour for the guy to work through and change all, like, four of us or however many were there. This time was not the same. We went to Target, different place, and we waited two hours in line. They were like, we're out of the phone you have. But then we are like, okay, we're already vested. Let's get to that line. We'll get the phone, a different phone, and, and then maybe we come back and exchange it. We'll still get a $250 gift card. That would be great. We waited another two hours in line. And when we got to the front where they're taking names, she was like, great. You got to the point where now you get on the wait list. And that was another three or four hours. So between 8 a.m. and we finally walked out with phones at 5, 5, 4.30 or 5 a.m. P.m. Oh, we were there at 8 p.m. Yeah, Thursday. Instead of Black Friday, we went on Thursday. So I was not a happy camper. I didn't even have the phone I want, which that's a whole other story. So we decided to go back the next day and see if they had any in stock. And I found another place that had it. So I was like, wait, I'll just take this one back and exchange it and go to this other store and get the one I want. The other store said, we'll hold the phone for you. It's reserved. No one can take it away. I'm like, great. Had to wait another four hours just to return the phone. And... It was just very, very frustrating. Um, it was just, it was just not a good night. The Holy Spirit was trying to tell me something because all night long, Thursday night into Friday morning, while we were sitting there, I mean, we were all cranky. We're griping at one another. We're, there is no love of Christ in the room at all. And then that's when we get home, and the next day, my aunt, who didn't go with us, is like. Oh, well, I'm preaching a sermon on everyone forgetting what Advent is all about, and you guys are the perfect thing for it. And to make it worse, Christy's father, who is a pastor, uh, we, we FaceTimed with her mom and, you know, said, hey, did you trade in your phone? She said, yeah, it took me like 20 minutes. <laughs> like, okay. And while we're FaceTiming with her, she says her father is over there trading his phone in. And so he doesn't hear as we're recounting how bad this experience was and how we're griping at one another and we're all cranky and we're all like mad and we're, I mean, we spent like an hour or two just laying on a target floor waiting and the next morning we're telling her how cranky and bad we are. Then her father comes over, he just got his new phone, took him 20 minutes and he's like, hey Floyd, guess what? I'm like what? He's like, while I was waiting to get my phone that whole 20 minutes, I got to share with the guy about God and invite him to church. He's like, did you do that? Like, no, not even close. Couldn't even, couldn't even, couldn't even get up there and say, you know, let me tell you about my church because we were just so cranky and tired. So this was worst Black Friday experience for me ever. Uh, never happen again. 
ever, ever, ever again. And I used to think, you know, like Thanksgiving, still love it. Black Friday was a fun holiday because we had this family tradition that we do. Um, yeah, we, we're, we, 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 we're not going to do that tradition. Have an awesome day. Yeah, I, I, if those of you guys who had an awesome day, just raise your hand. Okay, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Right? That, that's awesome. It's all right. I it. Now, um, I, I did. It took me seven minutes to get my <laughs> Those of you who were able to upgrade in like minutes, seconds, or seconds, don't don't talk to me today. But <laughs> and this used to be one of my favorite holidays because you guys know I love gadgets. So getting a new gadget and upgrading was fun. I look forward to it. It is no longer. One of my favorite holidays. Plus, you upgrade your tech, and they give you money. Here's two hundred fifty dollars. Here's all this Black stuff. Friday it wasn't my money. Okay. <laughs> now it's like a day of mourning. <laughs> but um, it, and again, it used to be one of my favorite holidays. It's not. Now, if if we talk about favorite holidays, you, anyone have a favorite holiday? Like seriously, like favorite Easter. Easter. What else? Christmas, Thanksgiving, all great holidays. Uh, my favorite holiday, my favorite of all time, has always been the 4th of July. Um, no disrespect to baby Jesus. But uh, 4th of July, it just holds a lot of meaning for me. Maybe because I'm ex-military, I don't know. Uh, but one, it's about fireworks going off in the sky. Who doesn't love fireworks, right? Stuff blowing up in the air. That's awesome. Uh, two, there is this spirit of unity that we don't normally see as much in our nation anymore. Uh, even at Christmas time, there's the Christians and the non-Christians. What about the other holidays? Blah, blah, blah. But on the 4th of July, everyone's like, yay, America. Go, America. God bless America. Even the people who don't believe in God are like, God bless America. Because there's this spirit of coming together, which I love. And then, of course, there's like, you know, it's a meat fest, uh, depending on where you cook out, which, you know, who doesn't love meat? So uh, this has always been and still is one of my, like, most favorite holidays of all time. So it still is now. But the topic that we've been talking about is, in fact, it's, it's holidays, but it's the biblical holidays that God has ordained for the people of Israel and, by extension, for all those who believe in and follow God. Now, we're not again, we're not required to follow or obey all those, but understanding them gives us a better understanding of God. Um, and those biblical feasts, we talked a little bit about each of them. We talked about Passover, we talked about unleavened bread, we talked about first fruits and Pentecost, uh, which we talked about last week. Now, there is a little bit of time, if you're looking, because they occur on, on, the, on the calendar, the biblical calendar, there's a little bit of time that goes before you get to the next set of feasts, which are all, from an uh, Old Testament standpoint, are called the fall feasts, because they occur in the fall, um, and there's a little bit of time that passes. Now, there are some, from a spiritual aspect, that look and say, well, the first, as we've talked about, set of feasts, really have to do with, spiritually and biblically, what Christ has already done 2,000 years ago. Passover is... You know, the resurrection and God freeing uh, from sin that we get because of the resurrection. Unleavened bread because of Jesus being the bread of life. He lived and walked without sin. First fruits, he was the first fruit from among the dead. And the day of Pentecost, where God poured out his spirit. And even though they celebrated it as a huge harvest, uh, it was looking to the harvest of souls made possible by God pouring out his Holy Spirit 
on the day of Pentecost, and he made that kind of emphasized it by having, as we talked about last week, people from every nation that existed then were in Jerusalem, and they heard people speaking spiritually in, in their own language. So it was a, a symbol of, yeah, this harvest is not just for Israel. It's going to be when God uses a harvest of all souls and all humanity. And that's made possible by the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. But then you get to what's called the fall feast. And these next set of feasts, they kind of focus on spiritually, not what Jesus did, but more of what Jesus is going to do. Now, from an Old Testament standpoint, they each have a, a biblical reference that we're going to look at. From a spiritual overtone overview, um, they more point towards the second coming of Christ. Now, uh, if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Leviticus chapter 23. <coughs> And in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, as we pointed out, that God lays out all of these um, feasts or all of these holidays that we've been calling them. Uh, so drop down to Leviticus chapter 23, verse 23. And this is what it says. And again, you might have the titles for each of them for the Passover, First Fruits, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles. We're going to touch on Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles today. So the Feast of Trumpets, verse 23, says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest, so it's a day off again, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Now, this is, this is pretty much it. That's all he says is, hey, that this holiday, you're supposed to take a day off, you're supposed to have an assembly, you give a burnt offering, but it's all about the trumpets. And typically, what if you look through Jewish teachings, what they, they explain it is that the trumpets, this holiday, the sole purpose of it was to announce, here come another set of holidays. And if you look biblically throughout the Bible, the trumpets were always used to announce something. How many people remember... Um, the walls of Jericho, where they walked around the walls of Jericho, and they were silent, and then the trumpets blew, and that was the sign for them to shout, and then the walls came down, right? The trumpets are always a sign of God getting ready to lead his people into victory. If you look throughout the scripture now, uh, from a New Testament standpoint, uh, let me turn up here to 1 Thessalonians, this is the English Standard Version, chapter 4. And this is Paul, and he's using that same type of verbiage. He says, but we did not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. And he's referring to those who have already passed, those who have already died. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with them those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, just a little bit of background. 
He's talking to people who have said, hey, you know what, what are we going to do because our loved ones have already died and uh, someone had falsely said, well, it's too bad for you guys because uh, Jesus has already come and had his great harvest and taken all those he wanted with him. You guys missed it. And he's saying, hey, first of all, I don't want you to be uninformed. So there are people in the Christian culture, and I'm not trying to denounce them, but let's say that this thing, and, and the term they choose for it is the term rapture, because when he says people will be caught up with the Lord, that's the word raptures, uh, and they've given it a term rapture, who say that this is just an, like a story. It's just um, a, a great way to communicate that God wants us all to be with him. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. In another version, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. In other words, he's saying, I, you have heard false stuff. I want to tell you the truth. And he said that God is going to, when Jesus returns, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And I know this doesn't make sense to us, but this is a spiritual thing that God is doing, not a human thing that humans are doing. So it makes absolute sense to me. And he says, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. In other words, he's saying, I'm not just making this up. This is what God has revealed that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not perceive those who have fallen asleep. And then he goes on and says, For the Lord himself, this is Jesus Christ, will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. So he's saying that when the time comes for Jesus to come back, there's going to be a trumpet sound, an announcing, just like we read, of Jesus' return. And he says that the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That word caught up with them is the word rapture, the phrase we use caught up in the air, to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, and this is again why it's hard for me to say this isn't real, this is just him making some kind of analogy about how God wants us all to be with him, because he says, be, therefore, encourage one another with these words. People who were saying, hey, I'm not going to get to spend an eternity with God. I'm never going to see my loved ones again. He says, no, here's some encouragement. Not only are you going to see them again, but God is going to announce it with this loud trumpet blast. And again, doesn't make sense from a human standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint, uh, it, it ties in wholly with God's use of all of these holidays in the biblical feast. Right? So this holiday, from a spiritual standpoint, celebrate the victory and the triumphant return of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, let's go on and look at the next one, the Feast of, or excuse me, the Day of Atonement. So go back to the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, and this is what it says. Now I'm going to do a lot of Bible reading, this is all going to make sense in the end. He says, the Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement. Hold a sacred assembly. So again, this is in the seventh month. They've already had the trumpet blast. Now on the tenth day, they're holding another sacred assembly. And deny yourselves. In some versions, that word is translated fast. There's supposed to be a fasting or denying yourself. Fasting from food and drink. And present an offering made to the Lord by fire. Do no work on that day. Another day off. Now, I, I, I get a lot. I don't know how many. There used to be at least ten federal holidays. That, that the government would allow you to celebrate. I mean, and, and way back in the day, some of you may remember this. Uh, this is what I was told, but some back in the day, Arbor Day used to be a holiday. Does anyone remember Arbor Day? Yeah, people used to get off school for Arbor Day. This is a day to celebrate trees. And people used to get off school and all kind of stuff. So to me, 
This list of holidays doesn't seem weird when you look at some of the holidays we celebrate, right? And if it were, I mean, if, if, if we started celebrating like the Feast of Trumpets, even though it's, you know, Old Testament, I'd be all for it. I'd petition to make it a federal holiday. And even if they didn't, I would give your kids little trumpets to go home and just blast all around the house all day. Because it's a day worth celebrating. Some of you are scowling like, not my kids. But that, but, so, um, do no work on that day, another day off, because it is the day of atonement. When atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. I will destroy from among his people anyone who does any work on that day. Now, that sounds kind of harsh. But this day is pointing to, uh, there was a day of atonement where the high priest was able to go into the Holy of Holies. In the temple, there was a holy place, like right there, and then there was a curtain, and then there was the Holy of Holies, and he was only allowed to go in once a year to go in and to atone for the sins of all of the nation of Israel. Now, throughout the year, people could come and bring, uh, as we talked about in the weeks previous, a sin sacrifice to say, hey, I sinned, I did this wrong thing, I was driving, I was mad on Black Friday, I, I sideswiped John's car, I didn't leave a note. As a matter of fact, I left a note that said Karen did it, and then I just drove off, and then I felt guilty, and now I've got to bring an animal and sacrifice so I can atone for my sins. But obviously, for some of us, we would be slaughtering a lot of animals if we had to do it that way. So what there was this time where even if you didn't do it, you were supposed to bring the animal, even if you didn't do it, there was one day, the Day of Atonement, where the priest would go in, and he would confess before the Ark of the Covenant in the presence of God, what was called the, the um, and I forget the word, but it was considered the holy seat where God's presence was, and he would confess God, it's not just me who sinned. All of Israel is guilty of sin. Every man, every woman, every child. None of us have done right in your eyes. And even those of us who think we have done right, not even close to being worthy of your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. And if you read some of the Jewish literature about during that time, they said they would sacrifice so many animals that the streets would run, I, 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 I don't want to exaggerate, I don't remember if it's inches or maybe feet high with the blood of the animals that they had to sacrifice for the sins of the people. And that was the Old Testament way of God saying, hey, uh, we need to atone for our sins. Now, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, all of your sins are atoned for. God now looks at you, and if I walk in and I say, God, you know what? Black Friday, I was, I was angry at my wife, angry at my family, angry at several of the people that worked at Target and whoever started Target and the CEO of Target and all those people, and I need you to forgive me. God now doesn't look at me and say, well, the, the, the penalty for sin, whether you like it or not, Floyd, is blood, so got to go kill something or you've got to die. He looks at me and says, you accepted my son Jesus Christ as your Savior. You are forgiven and now when I look at you, I don't see you angry and mad. I see you in need of love and comfort, but I see you in the righteousness, not of how good I am, but of how good Jesus Christ is. 
So we no longer have to take and go do all this stuff to say, God, we need you to atone for our sins. Part of me, this is just me, wishes there was a time when we could go and say, God, as a nation, we, we, we get it so wrong sometimes. And we are, as a nation, in need of your love and your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. But we don't have to do that anymore because every individual can just say, you know what, God? I need that love, that grace, and that mercy, and that forgiveness, and you've given it to me through Jesus Christ. So by accepting him, I'm forgiven. You now see me in his righteousness, even though I'm still in my mad space. You now see me in his righteousness. Now, for those of you who are asking, that doesn't remove the consequences of the wrong I've done. I still have to go apologize to my wife and, and, and all kind of stuff. And, um, I decided not to send a nasty gram to Target that I was going to send, but I, I, there are still consequences of our action, but God says, yeah, I now see you in right standing. Now, from a Jewish perspective, they don't believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. So they're still waiting for this day of atonement when the Messiah will come and he will remove all their sins. And this is what Paul says in Romans. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, this is what Paul says. He's writing to a, a, a church in Rome, and he says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel, he's talking about the nation of Israel, all those who are Jewish people, Israel has experienced hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. And it's written... The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn goodness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So he is pointing to, now the Jewish people, they're still waiting for this day of atonement. This day when the Messiah will come and he will remove all of their sins. The same way that if you're a Christ follower, you accepted Jesus, you say, my sins have been forgiven. Now, Back to Tabernacles. This one's going to be a little bit long, so I'm going to jump around. Uh, verse 33, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, so all in this same month, all these holidays occurring, first the Feast of Trumpets, then the Day of Atonement, and then um, the Feast of Tabernacles. The Lord said, say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins, and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Again, do no regular work. So it's a day off from work, and you come together and do church again. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire. And on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. It is the closing assembly. Do no regular work. Now, it's important, if you, have, if you write in your Bible, underline it is the closing assembly, because that is the only time in talking about the feast that that occurs. It doesn't occur at any other feast. And again, this is pointing spiritually to that this uh, the, the, um, is the last and final spiritual event that will occur. It doesn't look to like the other one looked to when Jesus will come back. This is looking to when God will tabernacle with all of his people. And it looks back at the time where God um, lived with the people. They lived in Egypt. They lived in Booth. They were in temporary dwelling places. He lived in a temporary, what they call the tabernacle. But he dwelt and lived with them. 
Now, once they got to Israel, God still lived with them because they built the temple and God uh, resided in the temple. But once the temple was destroyed, the Israelite, the Israel people, the Jewish people have always been looking for and longing for that time when we can again, this is them saying, we can again live and dwell with the creator of the universe. He is in the midst of everything we do. God with us. And in the um, book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37, this is again after uh, everything has been destroyed and, and, and after their captivity, God, Ezekiel, the prophet says, I will make, and he's quoting God, I will make a covenant of peace with them, an everlasting covenant. I will give to them, increase their numbers, and set my sanctuary among them forever. My home will be with them, I will be their God, and they will be my people. And then, that, that's what they've been looking for, the Jewish people have been looking for, for the Messiah to come, their sins to be forgiven, and them to dwell with God. And then we are told, from a New Testament standpoint, we're not necessarily looking for that, because we have that. And Paul tells the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, what agreement can there be between the temple of God and idols? And when he says temple of God, he's referring to us. If you're a Christ follower and you have God's Holy Spirit in you. Because he says, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will house myself in them and I will walk among you. I will be their God and they will be my people. And he uses that same language from Ezekiel to show that, hey, the Israelite people that were looking to dwell with God. If you're a Christ follower with God's Holy Spirit in you, you have that. You have God's presence dwelling in you. That's why he uses the same language. I will be their God and they will be my people. And then there's going to be this New Testament fulfillment of that. In Revelation, John writes this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. And the sea was no longer there. Also I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem. Now this is the complete Jewish birth complete Jewish Bible version, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne say, see, God's Shekinah, that's his glory, that's his presence, that's what makes God God, God's Shekinah is with mankind, and he will live with them, they will be his people, and he himself, God with them, will be their God. So this last set of holidays all points to the return of God. If you look at the, um, the, the Feast of Trumpets is what announces this final set of holidays, this final phrase, phase of feasts. And, and that's equated with what we call the rapture where Jesus comes back and, and he takes the, the saints with him. The Day of Atonement refers to his actual physical return on the earth. What the Jews are looking for because they're like, hey, we're waiting for the Messiah to come. And, and we're told in the Bible that then they will look upon him who they pierced. And they will know that this Jesus Christ, yeah, he was it. He was the Messiah. And then you have uh, this Feast of Tabernacles where it points to this time. It pointed back to a time when God dwelt with the Israelites. Pointing forward spiritually to a time where God will dwell physically with all humanity. If you read through more revelations, it says there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more, no more hurt. 
No more votes for who's going to lead us. No more pain over who's leading us. Praise God, no more waiting in lines for cell phones. Just celebrating and rejoicing because we're with the presence of God. And all of these holidays, all of them, here's, here's the focus. Here's, if you get nothing else out of this whole series, here's the focus. Leviticus 23. In between, where he's talking about the, the um, Feast of Tabernacles, he stops and he gives this parenthetical statement that is about all of the feasts. He says, these are the Lord's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to the Lord, the burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for the Lord's Sabbath, and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed and all the free will offerings you give to the Lord. He gives this parenthetical statement that says, hey, all this other stuff that you do, all the other celebrations that you do, all these other holidays, those are okay, but this is God's appointed time, and we should celebrate it, we're to rejoice in it, we're to be happy about it, we're to give God all the praise and worship. So here, here's my challenge to uh, all of us as we continue. Any holiday where we can gather for God, it's worth celebrating. Any time where we can come together, and I've said this before when we started the series, if you're coming together for Christmas, that's great. If you're coming together for Arbor Day, I don't even know if they still celebrate it, and you can do it for God, that's great. If you're coming together to celebrate a, a child's birthday, or a dog's birthday, which we do, and you can do it for God, that's great. Any time that you can come together and celebrate, and you put a spirit of fellowship, peace, and love towards one another, and do it for the glory of God, that's great. So here, here's my challenge for us, because um, I know there's going to be, and it's coming up, the, the argument about Christians, and Christians celebrate Christmas back and forth, this, that, and the other. Uh, and this is what I, I, I've been telling the people who, who you know, are, are not Christians, but they still want to celebrate it. Celebrate it like your life depends on it. Celebrate it and spend this time with your family as if it's your last day on earth. Because you never know, it might be. So even if you don't do it for God, do it and share that love and that peace with loved ones. But if you are a Christ follower, celebrate it like Christ could return tomorrow. Worship Him, love your family, give all praise and glory to God. It should take precedence, especially if you're a Christian, over every family squabble, over every, every family difference, over all the things that, se that separate us, so that we can focus on the things that unite us. As the band comes up, let me, let me close with this. There are going to be, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that every pastor all over the planet is saying the same thing. Every congregation where they're celebrating Christmas, there are going to be opportunities for you, not just to tell people about God, but to show people about God by the way that you love them, by the way that you respond to them, by the way that you gather with them. And many of us are only going to gather with family come Christmas, 
Many of us, we're going to be spending dinners, you know, a Christmas at Aunt Joe's, a Christmas at Uncle Joe's, a Christmas at your friend's house, all these things together. And each one is an opportunity to show people how good our God is. Because even though we would think that, you know, maybe there are family members or loved ones that don't need to hear about it. Because we say, oh, they're a Christian, they're a Christian. But you never know where someone might be and how frustrated they may be about something going on in their life. I guarantee you, if anyone had seen me Thursday night work, Christian would not have come out of their mouth. Even though I had a cross on that said Jesus, which I, I, I had to contemplate putting away. But just take this time to love one another, to love on people, and to rejoice and celebrate with all you can. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And God, we just thank you so much for um, not just this holiday, but every day that you give us. Every day that we have an opportunity to look forward to your return. Every day that we have an opportunity to be the Christ follower that you've called us to be and to show love to other people. Every day that we have to make Christmas a joyful season rather than a time of separation or arguing or bickering with our family. And we pray that we put the focus on you, not to the point of arguing with those who celebrate it and don't care about you, but to the point of demonstrating the love of Christ to everyone in our circle of influence. 